coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Trying to start this whole new life moving across the country, trying to break into an industry that feels impossible without having prior connections. And I'm terrified that, as I've heard you say before, me will follow me. I'm going to tell you right now, if that's your mindset, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to kill you. We are back. It's the Dr. John Deloney Show. Kelly, I can see, I'm loving this music, man. That's what we were just saying. As soon as it starts, we just immediately, it's so good. I sat down with Jason. I was like, listen, this has to groove. And, and it does. I mean, when grooves. you're just, I'm, you're not even, I'm not even paying attention. Sure, I'm Bob doing something head. else. Yeah. And immediately I'm like, just, yeah. Speaking fantastic. of, hey, can we just, I, I know we're getting to the show. It's, it's about marriages and relationships okay, and mental health and all that. Okay, be careful if you're about to say what I think you're about to say. I was about to say about this morning. I know, but I don't think we should. About who I got to meet this morning? Okay, no, no, that's fine. Not who you, not who you texted me about. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, let's not say anything about that just yet. All right, so here, this is important. People have said, "Hey, we'd love to see some more interviews. We love them," and um, I have a very non-traditional list of people that I'm interested. And one of them wrote back last night and was like, "I'm in," and it's a. And I now have his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly is what some would call ree, ree, a stalker. But no, this morning I show up to work and they're like, hey, Deloney, we need you to come meet this guy backstage. And I, by the way, I knew he was coming because I brought one of my guitars so he could sign it. Um, but one of my childhood guitar heroes, Brian Welch from Corn, was here today. And because uh, that's just where we work, right? That's what we do, yeah. That's just where we work. So the first time he came, which was, gosh, probably 10 years ago, it was in our old building. So I'm walking across the street to go to Devo. And I see this guy standing outside, and he's pretty distinctive. Yep. He clearly doesn't work here. <laughs> and I was standing there, and this guy was out, out there smoking a cigarette, and I was like, is that Ed Welch? Yeah. Surely not, because why would he be here? And I just was thinking, okay, wow, we just hired a guy that looks just like him. And when he walked on stage, but gosh, his story is just Oh, he's so, amazing. He's an amazing it's guy. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just getting to sit backstage and talk shop, like. I don't, I don't know we can share and not share, but what their projects are working on, all that kind of stuff. It was just, yeah. it was just awesome. Um, and here, here's the thing. I, di- I didn't get to say this much this morning. I remember very clearly Ugly Kid Joe. Remember that song, like, I Hate Everything Did, About You? I think, I, yeah, such a great song. But Love they were the wearing um, jams, like shorts and T-shirts. And that was the first band that did that because everyone was wearing leather or flannel. And I was like, those guys look like me. I, I remember that stamp, like, oh, you could do that. And then I remember Phil Anselmo on the walk video with Pantera walking out, shaved head, and just being like, listen here. And I was like, oh, I, wanted, I want that. And then the third one of those is when Korn came out with the song Blind. And they, the, the video was real dark. And these dudes have tuned their guitars all the way down. They'd added another string. And they are adding a groove that I didn't know was possible in metal. And those are the three, like, stamps when I was like, I'm going to do that. Now, clearly I've gone sideways because now I run, like, a semi-okay podcast. We're talking about mental health, right? And I spent my years in, in – but inside my soul, I'm in a famous metal band or a punk band. And so this this morning was, like, my little like, – backstage, they were like, what's wrong with you, Deloney? I just don't get starstruck. And today I was, man. What a special day. So welcome to the Dr. John Deloney Show. They're probably going to edit all of that out because I'm still fanboying and glowing. But we're so glad that you're here. We talk about mental health, talk about your emotional health, your your when you get to meet childhood heroes and you just stammer on like an idiot. But so glad that you're here. If you want to be on the show, here's the deal. Show is real people going through real challenges in their life. It's tough stuff. 
Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's really gnarly. But my promise is uh, I've been doing this for, for two decades, sitting with people when they're hurting, and we're going to figure out what the next right step is. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K. All right, let's get to it. Let's go out to Lexington, Kentucky and talk to Kayla. Hey, Kayla, what's up? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Of course. Hey, you had to be on the phone for a long time, sit through all the ads, me talking <laughs> about meeting corn this morning. So thank you for being patient. Of course. That's What's fine. Up? <laughs> so I'll just get right to it. Um, so my question is, how do I move on with my life without regret after cutting off contact with my mom? I can tell you right now, you don't. Regret's going to be part of this this journey. What happened? Um, I know what a, what emotional. a bum way to start to start like wah wah like you don't so ta da. <laughs> um, tell me about it. What ha- what happened with your mom? Um, so I come from a long line of um generational sexual trauma. Um, I was sexually abused by my dad from the age of five till about thirteen. But I mean, the end game doesn't matter. Um, whoa 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 whoa. Every step matters. It does. I'm sorry. But, um, thank you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I I don't want to leave yet. I don't want to leave yet. As the dad of a daughter who I can't breathe if she's not okay, I need you to know I was wrong and I'm sorry. On behalf of dads everywhere, I'm so sorry. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Your dad should have loved you as much as I love my little girl. I'm sorry. And now I have a little girl who is the same age I was when all the trauma started. So it's all kind of getting. Yep. I bet your body is lit up like a Christmas tree, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so um, I've actually kind of started the prosecution process. Um, Oh, so you're going for it. I'm going for it. Yeah. I've realized that I'm. I'm breaking the generational curse that has been set on my family. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so as the everything has been coming out and talking, I've kind of realized that my mom has not taken the steps that I would take for my daughter now. And I just have had a lot of resentment towards her. Um, Like I, she found out in eighth grade what was going on and she stayed with him until I finally again was like, listen, I can't do this anymore. I was 21 and I was like, I got to start getting myself better and I can't while he's in my life. And so um, they ended up divorcing. And now as an adult, I had asked her like, what was going on? Like, please try and help me realize why you didn't leave him at the time. And she told me that, well, apparently I as an eighth grader told her that I didn't want to ruin spring break plans. So I need, I need you to hear, didn't. I need you to hear what I'm going to say very, very clearly. Okay. And hopefully a therapist has told you this, but often I find that doesn't happen. Powerful life altering nervous system changing trauma happens when one of your parents sexually abuses you and earth shattering nervous system transforming Trauma happens when you get the courage to tell another adult and they do nothing. 
Yeah. I put your mom's violence up against, up right beneath your dad's. What your dad did is evil and wrong and it's disgusting, right? There's a, there's a grotesqueness to it because it's so vulgar. Right. What your mom did was evil. Because there's a little girl coming to mom and saying, will you protect me? And she said, nope. I'm sticking with the monster. Yeah. And then all these years later, when you get the courage to go, mom, what happened? She blames you? Yeah. Like, I'm coming out of my skin right now and I'm trying to be cool. But I hate this happened to you. So actually, I'm going to change what I said earlier. You're not going to regret this forever. I was wrong. I was 100% wrong. That's what I get for talking too fast. I screwed that up. And I think I'm just battling with, so she's been obviously in my daughter's life until just last October. And so now I'm just kind of struggling with the, how do I juggle? And thankfully, like my daughter has not asked about her she has she just kind of is going on but i can tell she can feel the the hostile tension that i'm going through right now so i'm just i'm trying not to i'm just trying to be the best wife and mom that i can without letting the trauma completely take over so here's a couple of really important things okay i i want to get this out of the way you with with all hundred percent certainty you need to have a professional walk with you through this okay Okay. All right. And I want you to go to uh, look in your local area for a trauma-informed therapist, okay? Okay. And that's a special training that people go through. Sometimes it's an entire program that they go through, but it's a way of looking at responses that makes sense. It's really where, I mean, that was a lot of my training was there, and that's why I don't. I tell people, no, you're not broken. Your body's working great considering what happened to you, okay? So that's number one. I want to put that off to the side for a second, okay? Um. How old's your daughter? She's five. Okay. Your gut instinct is going to be to shield and protect her. Yes. And what she is going to do is she's going to absorb the tension that you are feeling walking, th- re-walking through hell, right? You're walking through it with a sword this time, but it's still going to be right. back through hell. Right? You're going to have to go through old memories. You're going to get deposed. You're going to have your dad's lawyer, if he just decides to be even a further pathetic coward, decides to get one and try to fight you and call you a liar. Right. You're going to have to go through all those old stories and have people question your integrity and go through old high school boyfriend. You're going to have to go through all that. The problem is if you're not – it's going to be, you're going to be walking a fine line. I'll, I'll talk you through it here. But you're going to have to let your daughter know that the tension you are experiencing has zero to do with her. Otherwise, she's going to do what you did, which is feel that tension in the home, make it your problem to solve. Right. And so that regret that you feel is you have been protecting your mom your whole life. You've been making sure your mom is okay or doesn't get mad or doesn't find out your whole life. Because when your mom says, um, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna stay with him. That little girl doesn't Im- immediately go, my mom is evil. It goes, oh, what did I do? What, how do I fix this? Right. Right. 
and that was never your job to fix. But what we don't want to do, that's how trauma gets transferred. Either the act, the act goes with it, right? You abuse somebody, which you're never going to do, or right. that inner chaos, that inner turmoil that you're fighting and scratching and clawing every second of every day to give your daughter something you didn't have. But that angst and tension, she absorbs. And so it's letting her know, mommy is really scared today. She has to go do some yeah. hard, scary things. What, mom? Well, I have to have some scary conversations with some big grown-ups that were mean to me when I were little. What happened? Well, that's grown-up stuff. But I want you to know that every day I wake up, I'm so grateful that God let me be your mommy. You see what I'm saying? And what we're doing is we're going to yeah. normalize. Now, sometimes your body feels, especially when you're doing scary, hard stuff, uh, your body reacts a certain way. That's normal. That does not impact my love for you. And so it's going to be weird for you talking through it because nobody's ever modeled that for you. Ever. Right. Right. And you don't want to go too far and be like, your grandfather. Like, she's not ready for that because she's five. There will become a season. Yeah. There will become time when you, when you tell your story to your daughter. It's just not now. And so tell me about your, tell me about your mom. Now, is she fighting you? Does she want to see her? Is she giving you grief about babies? Like, how, how is all that working out? No, she's, I think she's just kind of, I talked to my brother um, a few days ago and he got to, he saw her over um, New Year's and I guess she told him that, well, she thought it was going to be a little bit hard at first, but it's, it's not as hard as she thought having me cut her off. So that was kind of, um, I guess the cherry on the, the cake for me is such a coward. I don't know. What an absolute guess, yeah, coward. It's just. And I don't mean to talk bad about your mom, but I sure mean to talk bad about your mom. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's just kind of a smack in the face because it's like, okay, I understand. And it all kind of came to a head when I. So she's remarried now. And one of my um, stepsisters was actually dating a pedophile. And we all went to the wedding and come to find out I. I didn't know any of this. So she kind of, I guess, just let me bring my daughter around a pedophile and everybody knew except me and come to find out they were all like, oh no, we can't tell her. We can't tell her what's going on. Um, but yeah, I just, there's just been so many different layers. And so with that, finding out that she knew that there was a pedophile present who was on the sex offenders list and didn't feel the need to tell me so I could take the actions into my own hands, mm -hmm. whether that be not going to the wedding or something. And so that's when I kind of was like, okay, I've, I've known my whole life that I wasn't going to be protected by anybody. And now that I'm an adult, I can protect myself. And now it's my job to protect my daughter. And so good dude that you have turned it. This is what that looks like. I need you to hear me, Kayla. You have changed everything. This is what that looks like. As the great Terrence, yeah, Terrence Real, he says it. Just oh, it's brutal. Here's what he says, and I love this quote. Um, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but um, family trauma rolls down a hill like a forest fire until one brave soul stops and turns and stares it down and gives peace to future ancestors they may never know. What gets left out of that famous quote is, uh, and again, I, I messed it up, but that sentiment is 
A person who stops and stares down a forest fire gets burned badly. And that's you. You have to deal with the, the pain of your mom going, yeah, I don't care. He was sleeping with my husband when she was young. Good for her. Right? You yeah. got to deal with a mom that didn't even step between you and a monster. She chose a monster. You got you to, all of it, all of it. I could just go through. I'm not going to torture you with that. And so then you have the brother going, well, I don't know, man. Or the sister being like, well, come on. This is what staring down a forest fire looks like. So I think the, yeah. the pain you are feeling is grief. And I don't know that you've ever been allowed to sit in grief because you've been too busy trying to keep yourself safe. Right. Is your husband a good man? Yes, he is. He's the one that introduced me to your show. Yeah, he's... Oh, he's amazing then. He must be the best guy <laughs> yeah. ever. Um, when you're safe, you can grieve. And here's why that's going to be hard for you. Grief would get you hurt in the past. You didn't have time for grief. You were too busy trying to protect yourself from the two freaking people who are supposed to love you the most. And so this pain you feel isn't regret. You might, it might feel bad, if you will. But just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not the exact right thing. And I'm pretty slow on the just cut people up. I'm telling you right now, I don't see a path forward where I would ever talk to that woman again. Yeah. And what that means is you got to live in a world your mom's not going to be there for you because she opted out. Hear me very clearly. You did not sever this relationship. She did. She left you. So if someone's in your home and they smash up your house and they run out at the front door and get in their car and leave, just because you closed the door doesn't mean you kicked them out. Right. All you're doing here is closing the door. Your mom's burned your house to the ground enough. She got in her car with a monster and took off. So what it looks like now moving forward is just a season of hellacious grief. It's going to suck. Yeah. Okay. That's why I need you to promise me you're going to get with a trauma counselor who will walk with you. I'm going to send you my book, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. It's about this very thing. Not sexual abuse as much as... When everything falls apart. I had this picture of what my life was going to look like and this scary, scary question. What am I going to do now? And dude, you're already there. You're sitting with police officers. You're going to make sure this man um, cannot hurt any more people moving forward and is held accountable for what he did in the past. You're on your way. But we often see the bravery story and the strength story, and we don't realize how lonely that is or how scary that is or how much that hurts. And that's a part of this journey too. I want you to also pick up a book called Finding Meaning by David Kessler. It's the best book on grief I've ever read. It's a masterpiece. But it will walk you through some steps. And I talk about all the time writing yourself letters, um, uh, making sure you have a daily journaling practice, making sure you've got somebody that you can call in the middle of the night. As this stuff starts to resurface, it's going to be gnarly. And as your daughter continues to enter into ages when this stuff happened to you, your body has put a GPS pin in that, and it's going to go, 
Young girl, young girl, look out, look out. It's just going to start radiating. And people are going to come over, well-meaning people, kind people, and your body's going to just be alarm central. It's okay. You're not broken. It's normal. There's nothing wrong with you. But we do need to do the work to learn a new way to respond to some of those things. It's just part of where you're at. But I don't think you're going to feel regret. What you're doing is right. You didn't kick anybody out. They burned your house down and walked out. With the remaining door frame, you just the remaining door frame, you just close the door. Proud of you, Caleb. Proud of you. Hang on, and we'll get you hooked up. We'll be right back. Almost every day, whether I'm doing my red light therapy, driving to work, listening to the Gregorian chants on the airplane, or just sitting on my front porch, I spend time using Hallow, my go-to app for music, meditation, and guided prayer. And right now, I'm in a particularly stressful time, deadlines. I just finished a big speech in front of thousands of people, lots of travel. My family's ending school. It's just chaotic. And recently, I made a decision to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices. And all of my life is up in the air, and Hallow is helping me stay grounded. Hello is the number one prayer app on planet Earth. They have 10,000 audio-guided prayers, meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, psalm readings, daily minute meditations. And there are places for people who are skeptical and new to the whole faith thing. And there are tons of spaces for those who have been swimming in faith waters for their entire life, and they just want to go deeper. Stories, audiobooks, special things for kids, special focuses for mental and emotional health, so much more. And listen, in May, they're going to feature 33 Days to Morning Glory, which is a Marian consecration. And for listeners of the John Deloney Show, you get three months of hallow, all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, all of it for free. Go to hallow.com for three free months of the app. That's hallow.com, H-A-L-L-O-W. Dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to <laughs> Minneapolis. I said it right? Not Minneapolis. Oh, that's true. You have done that before. Minneapolis. Oh, that's true. You've done that before. Well, Few times have you scolded me more. Yeah, Minneapolis. No, it is Minneapolis. Mini little mm-hmm. Apolis. Minneapolis. Home of the twins. The Home great Kirby Puckets. The Vikings. Yes. And just cold, coldness. Very and cold. our friend Nathan. Our friend Nathan. What, <laughs> what's up, Nathan? Dude, what's up, man? It's it's crazy to talk to you. It's crazier right. to talk to you, dude. Wow. What's up? Oh man. Before before I, I say my piece, I just gotta say I saw you on the iced coffee hour and I was like like that's that's how I found out about you. And I was just like, Who is this like ex Navy SEAL looking tattooed guy <laughs> talking about empathy and feelings i'm confused but i love it so i appreciate I just, it i'm far from an ex navy seal my buddies here in the seals remind me you are not us so they don't need even need to remind me they just can walk by me and my body's like ouch so no i'm good <laughs> yeah. uh, but i love those dudes um, and iced coffee are those guys are great man so thank you so much for being with us yeah. what's up yeah so um it's gonna sound like a quick a quick ramble, but I just have these four bullet points I wrote down just because I'm a little nervous. So I'm just going to try and get these off Go for uh, it. real quick. Um, so I've always struggled with making new friends because I cling on to connections I already have, but I'm starting a, gr- 
to grow apart from a lot of them. I had friends in high school, went to college, immediately met a group, but they started to fade into their own lives and social circles as the years progressed. And then COVID happened towards the end of my college career. And I never really uh, branched out. After living at home for a few years uh, and being close to paying off all my student loans, I've decided to go for a a long-time dream of moving out of state to Austin, Texas and pursuing a career in filmmaking. My brain loves to overthink and analyze every aspect of making the right decision, and it's paralyzing me. Um, I'm scared I'm not interesting, smart, funny, or charismatic enough to build the life I'm proud of once I move across the country. I also feel like I've never quite fully connected to a community. I always see the differences in me and them before I see the similarities. I'm 25 years old, never been in a serious relationship, trying to start this whole new life moving across the country, trying to break into an industry that feels impossible without having prior connections. And I'm terrified that, as I've heard you say before, me will follow me. So what's your question, man? That's a lot there, dude. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm, my, my question is, I, how do I build confidence in myself that I have the ability to, I guess, achieve what I want to achieve and actually make some, some new friends in a completely new place? Cause it's terrifying thinking about moving across the country and not knowing a single person but it's just something that I feel like I have to do. Well, you get, we kind of have this myth about confidence. Confidence isn't something I can give you. Confidence is your body's accumulated evidence. So mm. I would ask you, have you been in situations before that you thought this is scary and then you went and did it, knocked it out? Yeah, I, I guess I have. Um, yeah, I guess I, I I don't know. I've always been socially. I've always been afraid that I'm not I'm not like interesting or funny enough to to what, like what get that, people what, to like me. What does that mean? What is interesting or funny? Because because dude, my in the top several friends on planet Earth, I have mm -hmm. one is a banker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Like yeah, he's one of my closest friends on planet Earth. He is my closest friend because he is an anchor into granite. He has the same haircut he's had since he was four. <laughs> he pays his bills on time always. What? <laughs> his net worth comically surpasses mine because he just keeps making a great salary every year and doesn't spend it because he doesn't need it. He's, he's just, he wears the same jeans. He wears the same shirts. It's, he's just stable. And so um, right. I wouldn't put him on my list of most interesting or funniest. He is hilarious, but in a, like a very different way, not in a way that's going to end up on like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And so, um, and I could go down the list of my, of my closest friends. What you're talking about is a performance and that's not how friendship works. Mm. And if you turn human connection into a show, you will always go home lonely oh man uh so yeah i feel like I, I do that a lot here's the root question here why do you not like nathan so much like you um, you <laughs> i don't want to oversell it you hate nathan you're doing everything you can to not be nathan
Why? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I, I just I guess it goes back to how I grew up, and I, I guess I kind of realized I had like this this anxious attachment style, um, and like this just codependency, um, and I never really. Okay, hold on. I don't you know. You just threw I, two buzzwords at me, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep digging on you. Is that okay? Yeah. And this is gonna help the listener too, because there's millions and okay. millions of people. They're like, oh, well, I just have this kind of attachment style. That's fine. Uh, or I just I've got, I'm this Enneagram number, or I'm codependent, or I'm OCD, or I'm anxious. Those are uh, those those are all real, very very real. Okay, but I want to get beneath okay. that. Why don't you like you? Um, I guess I just I, I I like observe myself like trying to get people to like me, and then I just become like disgusted with myself. Okay, but um, the way you just described that, you are watching a movie of your own life. You're not acting in it. Why aren't yeah. you the star of your own movie? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I think um it it I don't know, I it might have to do something with like how I grew up and like you know, I I grew up kind of I still live with my parents and they're, it, it's, it's kind of hard to get some perspective on this cause we get along great now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I grew up with a very explosive dad in terms of his anger. Okay. Um, and that explains and I, the anxious attachment, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. And then Hold I, on, don't guess mom, if you, if the one man who was, who was put here on planet earth to walk you through life, to model for you, what love looks like, what masculinity looks like, what provision and showing up and strength looks like and vulnerability and care. And you're actually tethered to a wild dog. Yeah. You spend your whole childhood singing and dancing and performing so that you don't get bit. Mm -hmm. Fair? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And you've yeah. taken that same skill set and tried to get some girl to love you like that and tried to get a group of guys in right. a dorm to like you like that. And what they're looking at is a cool guy who's pretty smart and artistic and has big dreams for himself. And then why are you singing and dancing, dude? Like, <laughs> just get a drink and chill. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been singing and dancing my whole life. That's like, it. You have. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you right now, if you hop into go, <laughs> what you said, I want you to be pay very close attention to your words, and it, it's important. You want to go, you don't know if you can cut it and go be a part of an industry. I'm going to tell you right now, if that's your mindset, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to kill you. Mm. Okay. Because the filmmakers Ooh. don't join filmmaking to become part of an industry. The mm. woman, Sarah, who edits my show is one of the most extraordinary cinephiles I've ever met. And she gets up <laughs> before work and edits. She gets, after she gets off of editing my show all day, she goes home and makes her own movies. Why? Not to be part of the industry. She works on my show to pay bills. Right. She is obsessed with storytelling and filmmaking and how it all works and how she can bring somebody from A to B through a story. Yes. That's different than yeah. I want to go make it in an industry. Because right now in this season, she's having yeah. to work on my crappy show to pay bills. I will be begging her yeah. for film work one day when she goes and becomes a famous director. I promise you. Because that's, that's right. her world. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. I do love storytelling. I, I just, yeah, I look at it like, oh, I'm on the outside looking in. I kind of feel like that's like how I always feel about certain communities. Like I'm on the outside looking in. Um, okay, but here's feeling, what's here's what's really important. You have to get a gang of people where you can just be Nathan. Yeah. And as a guy who loves 80s hair metal and punk rock and I'm a Christian and I'm real into fitness and I'm covered in tattoos and uh, I like hunting and I drive a Prius for God's sakes. Well, now I moved up to a hybrid Highlander that which is really great for putting groceries in like I don't fit anywhere and oh, and I happen to have two PhDs because I'm a nerd too. like um, and you're just as much likely to catch me at a academic lecture here in Nashville, Tennessee over at Belmont or Vanderbilt as you are to catch me in the mosh pit at the turnstile show. Listen, mm-hmm. my friends love me because that dude's just weird, man. That's just who that dude is. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I've always felt like, oh, you know, I, I I don't know if I can be a part of this Christian community because I don't know if my faith is as strong as them. I don't know if I can be a part of these guys. These like guys like to party away more than I do. I always see like the differences in, in every community I step into. Here's your exercise. I want you to do yeah. an experiment and I want you, no, that's not really experiment. I want you to do some work and you might have to get counselor. I hired somebody this year to help me with a project like this. Okay. What are your values? Hmm. Okay. Your beliefs are going to change. I hope your beliefs change your whole life. That's why you make movies. That's why you go to the movies. That's why you read books. That's why you listen to podcasts. So a thing you thought over here is challenged over here. That's awesome. But my values are in concrete. They're in stone. Right. Right. And so what does that mean? I don't do drugs, man. I never have. So I hang out with people all the time that have very different lives than me and have very different choices for what they choose to put in their body. It doesn't, it's not even a thing. Right? Mm. Because I have a set of values here. And I'm also going to tell you this. If I had had this level of of success when I was 28, I wouldn't have made it. I would have blown the whole Mm. thing up. Okay? Oh, wow. I wasn't ready for it. So here's what I want you to hear me say. I'm going to give you a couple of really quick things. And I want you to internalize this. And then I want you to go do the next crazy thing. All right? Okay. Here's number one. I want you to get get unfathomably good at the thing you want to do. Right. And people over-dramatize it. Become the guy who always takes pictures at family gatherings. Become the guy who takes pictures at his local church of families. You know why? Because you're getting good at dealing with people and getting them to be where you want them to be. You help tell a story through their photographs and you deal with difficult people and whining kids and dramatic adults (laughs) and you learn how lenses work. That's filmmaking, my friend. Mm. Write every single day. Every day of your life. Wow. Okay? Okay. Here's here's the scary thing I learned. I, I... went as hard as I could to get a master's degree and a PhD because that's what I thought I had to have to have credibility. And I'll never forget the first conversation I had with a woman who, um, who had been sexually assaulted and I was fumbling for the things to say. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's what's important. 
not my degree on the wall because that's not helping this woman. Mm. And so I really spent the next, hear me, decade of my life <laughs> learning what to say when everything had fallen apart in somebody's life. And then, dude, I happened along another degree along the way. Who cares? <laughs> right? But my pursuit was not another piece of paper. My pursuit was not a job title or a place at this university or, in your case, in the industry. My yeah. place was there will not come a situation where somebody's falling apart that I can't show up and be a, um, a moment of grace, a moment of peace, and give them some direction on what they could do next. So I became wow. really, really good at my job not at the external stuff. So learn how lenses work. Learn how storytelling works. Do it everywhere, right? Right. Always. Yeah. And what you might find is that, dude, I don't, I'm not, I mean, I like movies. I don't want, like, I don't want to make them. That's a pain. <laughs> or you may find, dude, I am all in on this. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is your body's going to feel anxious if you don't have money. If you can't eat, if right. you're not safe. And I know the old saying is like, just go for broke. That's how you get broke. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're going to have to work jobs you don't like. You're going to have to work jobs that you think are different. Or like Sarah, you're going to have to find a job that's industry adjacent where you learn how the whole thing works and you do your thing that you love at night. Right. You're 25. Yeah. This is going to happen for a long, long, long time. And when you get to Austin, say yes to every single project you possibly can. I'll carry water. I'll do coffee. I'll be a grip. I'll be a whatever. Fill in the blank. Go through all those things. Keep doing it. 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 The third thing is stop trying to find out where to get confidence and go do things that prove to your body that you can. I can't overcome challenges. I don't feel confident. Cool. I'm going to start a daily exercise practice. And I'm going to become the most trustworthy person I know because I tell myself the truth. Because when I say I'm going to work out today, I go work out. I'm going to go do it. Let me get it done. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. You're going to have to make peace, probably with some professional help over time. Uh, maybe not, but probably. With the fact that your nervous system is wired into love as a show, as a performance. And so I want you to practice just being your weird self. Just be your weird self. You're exactly as you were made to be in your experiences. And you're going to get weirder the further you <laughs> If you go to Austin, I got tons of friends in the 512. You're going to get weird. That's the name of the town. Austin is weird. It's not about being the funniest. It's not about being the best dressed. It's not about being the most clever. It's about being you. And the people in my life who I love, 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 love are radically different than me. And I wouldn't call them the funniest. I wouldn't call them the silliest. I wouldn't call them the most prepared or the best looking or whatever. Whew. My friend Craig is way cleverer than me. My friend Todd is smarter than me. My friend John lets me know, oh, that's going to be funny on stage. Or that's not funny. Those guys all do the thing that I do better than me, but it's in a weird over dinner, quiet bankery, finance guy, air conditioning guy kind of way. Go be you. The world doesn't need you to look like somebody else. That job's already taken. The world needs you. And I know that's something you stitch in a pillow, but I mean it with all my heart. Go be weird, Nathan. We'll be right back. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? 
Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's go out to Appomattox, Virginia, and talk to Keith. Hey, brother Keith. How's it going? What's up, man? I'm doing great. How about you? <clears throat> I'm freezing. Uh, <laughs> we had a nice little rainstorm last night. and um, We got a half day of school, but it's it's kind of chilly right now. There you go. We got the tail end of it down here, but nothing like you guys got. So glad y'all are all yeah. right. What's up, brother? Um, I am a coach of two college athletes. Um, they're my sons. I don't coach them, but I am also a offensive line coach here in the area. And these guys have been playing football ever since they could breathe. Um, they're, they're, they're your co- biological sons and they play football too. Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. And, and I've coached them since they were little, little, little. And, um, now they're being coached by someone else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, and so one one son transferred from a university to a D1 school to a D1, D2 school, and they're both now playing in the same university, which is really, really cool. Saves on gas. There you go. Um, so that's been awesome. Uh, for the first couple of years, they played quite a bit. And this year, for some reason, um, they have not played as much. Um, my older son, who's a tight end, hasn't played at all, practically. and my other son had an injury in the first game and just couldn't get back on the field um, for, uh, for a lot of different reasons that I knew about and some things I didn't. The question is, how do I handle this frustration, this turned into anger um, over them not playing to the point where I was unable to sleep? Um, I was not angry toward my wife or my daughter who are still, you know, we're all together and we're still living in the same house. But man, I was just for the last six months, a pain in the butt and, um, especially traveling up and watching them. I know this is kind of a different question. No, it's, I I mean, I was a coach. I get it. And I'm a dad. I get it. Um, I'll just kind of cut to the chase. I, I, I say for some reason, I get it, and it happens very organically, but you have tied your identity to their performance. <laughs> and, bro, it's going to drown you. It, actually, what's, here's what's going to do. It's going to burn your relationship with them. It's going to sever it, ultimately. And you all have had this one bond, this connection. 
for so long, um, it's going to sever it. And it's going to be a lifetime of trying to repair it. And you and I both know old grizzled coaches whose kids don't want to come home. <laughs> yeah. And you and I both know old grizzled coaches, their knees don't work. They got that weird shoulder. They always got a dip in their mouth and their grandkids are kind of awkward around them. You and I both know those dudes, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So why is it, this isn't about your boys. Because you know football, in many ways, is a meritocracy. That coach, that college coach, he has to win to keep his job. So he's going to put the best players on the field. Yes. And so, for some reason, your boys not playing is making you feel less than. Why is that? Um, I, I played at a, at a school here locally and um, was an All-America and what was supposed to be drafted in the third round. So there were three teams that are interested in me. Um, and so when the time came uh, to be recruited or they called before the draft, the majority of our coaching staff said, yes, he will be a great asset to your team. Well, the head coach said no. Well, he was the most experienced coach out of all of them. He was an NFL experienced guy and he was trusted in the community. And when he said no, they didn't draft me or give me a free agent shot. So at that point, I felt that no one stood up for me. Okay, can I challenge uh, you for a second? Yes, sir. You and I also know of athletes who go to jail, who get DWIs, who are under assault, sexual assault uh, uh, investigations who get drafted and drafted and drafted and drafted and drafted. Okay. Is there a chance that it didn't work out? And instead of dealing with the grief of, I had this dream and it didn't work out. I had this picture of my life, of what it was going to look like. That has been easier to take that whole dump truck full of crap and pain and dump it on one dude. Oh, yeah, he may have tanked you. There's no question. That's happened. No question. But is there a possibility that it didn't work out? And a second, more important question. Is, dude, I can hear it in your voice. What is hanging on to that getting you right now? Well, I think uh, since the way I looked at it, and I know I, I called or I um asked this question a couple months ago. So there's some things that I've done to kind of work through it and kind of, Hold on, you're, avoiding my, you're avoiding my question, coach. What, like, is that possible that the story you've told yourself you weren't as good as you thought you were? Oh no, no, no. I, I this is going to sound really arrogant, but I was good enough to play. I find that hard to believe because those dudes have to win to make money. And if you were the best guy, they would have figured it out because they figure it out for drug addicts and for uh, former people who've committed assault. They figure it out. Um, I mean, that could have been a possibility. I, I mean, I've, I've just had friends who played in the NFL at that particular time that agreed with me and the other coaches of why it didn't happen. I mean, I've just, the fact of it is, is there were too many people that were telling me that I should be playing. 
Okay. But do you realize the step between, and I'm saying this with a smile on my face. If you were here, I'd be, I'd be ribbing you. But there's a very Uncle Rico aspect to this. Right? Because there's that waking up and it should have been, it should have been, it should have been, it could have been. And your whole life is passing you by like a train. And then you try to relive it with your boys. Yes, I totally 100% agree with that. As far as passing by different opportunities, getting my degree late, um, and then now just starting to do the things that I think God has for me to do, and it's become really, really awesome with the things that he's allowed me to do right now. So a lot of it has kind of moved forward. Like I said, I put a lot of things that you had said a couple couple months ago when I asked this question and read the book and did a lot of cool things and started to realizing some things about myself. Maybe not the question that you asked the first time, but mm-hmm. that could be definitely a reality. But the other stuff, I think I'm starting to move forward through that stuff. That's awesome. That, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I'm super proud of you. So tell me about your, your anger with your boys. Are you mad at them? Are you mad at the coaches? Are you mad at the universe? Who are you mad at? <laughs> I'm mad at the coaches. The boys, I love dearly, and we've sat and talked about this in depth. And I've explained to them that this is not about them. This is about me. And that I need to accept and love and enjoy them no matter what they do. And if they stand, they stand. If they play, they play. But I have to enjoy them and love them regardless. And I think that has done really well in the last several months. But, man, they just knew that I was not happy. Yeah, yeah. And then you see that they start trying to get on the field or cut corners or not tell the trainer just how bad they're hurt or whatever, not because they have this innate lunacy to win. And you and I have both been on athletes that are like, that dude's different than me. I remember being around a, a fighter during my training days and one guy went pro and I was like, yeah, that guy was, that guy was very different than me. Right. And you, you, you know, those guys, but they start, yeah. oh, good. They start trying to get on the field so that you'll chill out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They tried. There's a particular situation where Trey should have run on the field and he didn't. And I was like, what are you doing? Go. <laughs> so, um, but I get really anxious and I'm is. looking forward to seeing how I handle this and move through it with different techniques that I've tried so far. They have one more year to play. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see how this kind of looks. Hey, I, I'm going to challenge you. You ready for my challenge? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Here's challenge. Number one, I want you to go to the games and I want you to not wear the Jersey. <laughs> here's why. Because I'm afraid that you are cheering in that you want your boys to do well, and everyone in the audience is going to look at you, in the in the stands are going to look at you. That's your that's my boy. Yeah, right, hundred percent right. And it's not yeah. it's not about you; it's about their life. And one of those boys at some point is going to come to you and say, "Dad, I never really wanted to play." He won't fully mean that, but it will come out if it hasn't already. Yeah. And I also want you to take an honest inventory because as, as you've told me your story, as you've told me their story, it all hinges on this one guy who just screwed us. And I've just been around long enough. That does happen, dude. It does happen. But there's a lot of miserable people, whether it's a politician, whether it's an ex-wife, whether it's a coach or a teacher or a professor or whatever. If it wasn't for this one person or this one situation, and I always want to say, dude, what are you going to do next? Yeah. 
And the more you hang on to that past injustice in the present, the more you choose, I'm going to make right now suck. <laughs> and what a weird thing to, right? And you tell, you've told your players for years, you got to shake off that last play. Let's get back in there. Yeah. And what I want to tell you is, yeah, I was, I was good enough to play. I was, and I didn't, it, it didn't work out for me. Cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's what, what I other, tell my kids when I coach them. What other, I know. I trust me, dude. I'd see a counselor myself because it's hard. It's easier to tell other people. And same with your boys. Same with your boys. I want you to ask yourself this hard question too. How much of the coaching and the football and the relationship proxy, if you will, I can be around my boys. I'm going to be their coach. I'm going to be their this. I'm going to be their this. Um, I often find dads, myself included, is that's an easy, I know how to do that thing, so I'm going to do that thing really well because I don't know how to do the other thing, which is to sit and read a book, <laughs> which is to be, yeah. I don't know how to hug you when you got hurt, but I know my coach said, you shake it off. And so I just start repeating stuff. And my guess is, I don't want to say that the time's been wasted. It's been amazing. Your boys have gotten a dream. They've gotten to walk alongside their dad and cheer and be heartbroken. You've probably had some conversations with them when the coach line crossed over the dad line and you'd like to have that stuff back. Hopefully you've apologized as a, as a true man to them. Um, but there's going to come a time when they just want their dad. Do you love yeah. me for me, man? Do you love me for me? And maybe that's the exercise to write each one of them a letter. And just say, I've been your coach for 21 years. I need you to know, I see the man you've become. I see the way you treat your mom. I see the way you treat your sisters. I see the way you tip well at some crummy restaurant in the middle of the night. All the football stuff goes away, dude. But I see the boys becoming men in front of my very eyes. I want you to know that I, I, I almost can't breathe. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Listen, I, I have if, started to read a book, if though. You're, if, you're, you're, you're saying that, but I've been starting to read books and relax and take myself away from stuff. Well, that I've started to do that. Good, good, good. But hey, I want you to be a real gangster. I want you to write that letter, and then I want you to get each boy and read it to him. Yeah. Look him in the eye and read it to him. Wait, 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 wait. You want me to write it and then read it to him, yep. not send it to him? Oh, yeah, in person. Oh, that's yeah, that's cool. I just didn't know if you wanted me to send them the letter. Nope, I want you to read it to him. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, That's cool. Well, I, I can't wait till you sit down to do it. Here's the deal. <laughs> Here's the deal. I also want you to write, I want you to write young Keith a letter. The okay. Keith, the night before he finds out that his head coach didn't recommend him for whatever reason. And I want you to write him a letter and talk about the disappointment and you had these dreams and you were going to be on the field and all that. Okay. And then I want you to tell him, you think that you this is going to be the way that life has to work out for you, and it's not going to work out that way. But here's how freaking amazing it's turned out. And then I want you to start writing about your wife and write about that extraordinary daughter and write about those boys who have come in and out of your life as a coach, and you have been the father for them they did not have because their old man left. And yep, you could have played as a lineman two or three years and you'd have no ankle mobility and no knee mobility and one workable shoulder. That's all true. And you would have made some money. 
Not anything like your the other guys behind you that are getting their name in the paper, but you would have made some money. And instead, you've been a part of transforming family trees for two, <clears throat> de- two decades. I want you to write a letter to your young son that because I need Keith in the present to believe that. Because everything you're doing right now is still waiting for this NFL thing to happen. It didn't happen with you, so it's going to happen with your boys. It didn't happen with your boys, it's going to happen with my grandkids. <laughs> Put that whole damn story to bed, dude. Because yeah. that wasn't going to be what made Keith, Keith. The story that was in store for Keith, that Keith was writing with his life all the way was, I'm going to sit with young men and I'm going to teach them to get more out of themselves than they ever dreamed possible. I'm going to teach them how to show up and do really hard things that they don't want to. I'm going to teach them how to dig down deep, work as a team, all those things that you get from sports that I love so much. And then you are going to consciously transform your relationship with your boys to one where they have to sing and dance for you to one where, dude, I just get to bask in their glow. So I want you to go to games and not wear the shirt. I want you not, I don't want them hearing you screaming. I want them to look up and you just pump a fist and you go, that's my boy right there. I love you. And I want you to send him a text after the game. I saw you didn't get in the game one time, and I saw you cheering your butt off your teammates, and that is amazing. You played your part today. Not, your coach sucks. I'm coming after your coach. Nah, I'm going to do that crap. Because some kids are going to start. Some kids aren't even going to make the team. And some kids aren't going to college. And some kids aren't going to make six figures. And they're still our kids. We still love them. We still celebrate them. Cheer for them. Hey, Keith, I'm freaking proud of you, dude. I'm proud of you. You didn't fail in my eyes. I'm kind of glad you didn't make the NFL, Uncle Rico. I'm kind of glad. Because I'm glad that you were placed in the lives of all those young men. You planted seeds to trees of which you will never eat their fruit. That's amazing. Now go transform it with your own boys. Call anytime, brother. Proud of you. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. It's time for Am I the Problem? What's up, Kelly? All right, so this is from Josh in Bristol, Indiana. All right. My brother-in-law attacked my wife on Facebook and then bashed our business that we own. Hold on. Can we, can we just... <laughs> what? I love... This is, this is very, very recent modern history where we use such violent words oh, to describe... Attacked, like words. Sentences on an imaginary world. Yeah. They attacked me and bashed us with knives and, and sledgehammers. No, no. their keyboard with thumbs ups and downs. <laughs> All right, continue. All right, so bashed attacked the wife on Facebook and bashed our business. He he was drunk and being dumb. I no longer want to have a relationship with him or his wife. Some of my family members say to forgive him because he was drunk. But I don't see it as an excuse. I have no interest in talking to him unless it's about giving up drinking. Am I overreacting? My gut says yes. 
I think it is this the first time anything yeah, like this has depends. ever happened? Yeah. My gut yes. says, and it, and it may be I'm biased by the initial language, like, <gasps> um, but yeah, I mean, I've got friends in my life that I love that did stupid stuff and they're drunk. And I had a hard conversation. Like, dude, you cannot do that. That's not yeah. an excuse. Like, we're not, and they're like, dude, I'm sorry. sorry. Now, I think it's different if this is just the latest in a pattern. That's right. And he refuses to apologize, refuses to get help. That's a different story. Yeah, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And but, also, I don't need to make a big, a big announcement. So, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't need to make a big, like, right. I'm ending. Dude, I'm just not going to hang out with you, dude. You're drunk all the time. Right. Talk to me when you're sober. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to get help, I'm here. I'll always be here for you. Always. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but if somebody just does a thing and they're an idiot online, I don't know. You know what I mean? I love, I saw this on Instagram recently. It's some famous Hollywood actor, but he said, if somebody has a true, like a real problem with me, I'm going to ask them to call me or text me. And if they say, hey, I don't have your number, then I don't really care what you had to say. Right? And I love that sentiment. Like, um, like you're not in that. Like, you're not in that circle. That's right. You don't that's get right. to hurt me or, you know, you don't that's get right. to have input. Um, so there's something to be said for, I don't know, dude. If somebody got drunk and screwed up, did something really bad, did something stupid and mean, um, we're going to sit down and have a hard conversation. Yeah, because why, you know, do you have a problem with my wife? What's the problem? We need to have that conversation. That's right. Because it yeah. came from somewhere. That's right. You know? And um, I'm going to defend my wife. You're not going to talk bad about my wife right. publicly, you, to, you know? Um, and it might be that my wife says, oh, we're never, and then I'm going to do what my wife says, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, oh, they are never welcome. All right, yeah. well. They're ever welcome here. So I don't think this is a yes or the problem or no, you're yeah, not. Yeah, it's just any more context. That, yeah. Um, I always err on the side of reconciliation. That's just kind of my natural bent. Um, I could have, I'm glad people didn't walk away from me when I've done dumb things. And I'm really, really glad I didn't walk away from other people because they're cornerstones in my life now. So I only have it because I literally get paid. Just so you know. What's that? I haven't walked away just because I literally get paid. No, you have to. It's, yeah. yeah. And one day you're going to have enough money in the account. You can be <laughs> and be like, peace. I'm out. <laughs> Uh, awesome. All right. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you for being with us. Love y'all. Go listen to some good tunes. Take care. Bye.